0: Hey, it's Late's Camera Jackson. Welcome to the LCJ Q&A Podcast. You can also read these interviews at Animationscoop.com. Masters of the Universe fans, get ready. A new installment in the popular Netflix series is here. Masters of the Universe Revolution. It's streaming right now, all five episodes on Netflix. Joining me is the show's executive producer, also the vice president content creative at Mattel. Welcome Rob David to the show. Hey, Rob. Hello, hello. Hey, Jackson. Great to be here. Great to have you. Congratulations on this show. And I have to tell you that I recently learned a little bit about the origins of the toys of Masters of the Universe. And so I have to first ask you how you got invested in the toys and how you see toys come into play and that play factor when it comes to this show.
1: Oh, wow. Well, I'm a child of of the 80s, right? So I first fell in love with um, the toys for Masters of the Universe when I was going through the toy aisles uh, being led by my mother. And I think I had, I had tried to get all of the, the Star Wars figures I could at the time and and then there on the on the peg. Was this all new figure who was like three times bigger than Luke Skywalker, which is which I no disrespect to Luke, because cause now Mark Hamill, of course, is in our show. So it was all all great. But this new figure was three times the size of Luke, and just, you know, they had muscles on muscles and just all sorts of exotic um visages and powers and abilities. And I was just completely uh transfixed. And you know, I got it home and inside each of the toy packages was an in packaged mini comic, um, which first told, uh, the story of, of He-Man. No Prince Adam back then, but that had, you know, the staples that you know with Castle Grayskull and Skeletor. And so I just played, I just completely, um, played with all the different figures from, you know, the Buzz-Offs and the Mechanics and, and, and the, and the Man-at-Arms, you name it. And, and it just basically, Terraformed my young imagination and the fact that I got to grow up and, you know, I wrote the DC comics, He Man of the Masters of the Universe for many years. And the fact that I get to um, be privileged enough to, to serve as an executive producer on a few of these shows that we're doing for Masters of the Universe, uh, now for Mattel Television Studios is just a complete dream come true. Um, and then in terms of, of playing, um, metaphorically with our toys in the show, absolutely because that the thing is what makes some of the stuff that makes masters of the universe masters of the universe unlike anything else one is the crazy mashup between technology and magic which was represented right there in the original toy line you know the fact that it's like magic and technology both coexist in these worlds and you've got from all the mages like Evelyn you've got the wizards of technology like Man-at-Arms and then the over-the-top power like when we have a battle between two characters in our show it needs to feel like with every punch the heavens themselves shake Um and then all the specialties of each of the characters are weird and I mean that with all due respect to every single one of these characters you know He-Man is kind of the, the the straight man at the circus so to speak because he's got around him he's got these most extraordinarily uh extraordinary characters from talking skunks to you know talking trees uh, you name it and each of them has a unique speciality to them that just is their source of their greatest powers so we always want to celebrate that and let that come loose in our storytelling
0: as i was watching these episodes i was just amazed at what the animators are able to do with these sequences. Yes, that play factor comes to life. The the action scenes are unbelievable. Just the shot
1: composition. Oh my goodness, yeah.
0: It's amazing.
1: Well, I mean, first of all, the our partners um on this Powerhouse Animation Studios, they become really terrifically close friends of mine and one of the greatest joys of my my working uh life is meeting with them several times a week to just go over exactly what you're talking about what kind of visual storytelling are we using for this episode you know what are the designs what's the layout what's the composition what's the lighting how we're going to bring this together and they have some of the most amazing um uh board artists storyboard artists over there at powerhouse and then two great um directors patrick and, and adam who are Absolutely, um, insane and thoughtful. The, the word I come to is thoughtful. First of all, they lay out everything with such, um, with two, two purposes. One, um, dynamic storytelling, but then also thematic meaning. So where the characters are placed within any shot, not just shot to shot over sequences, but in a shot has dramatic and symbolic significance half the time or all the time, actually. And then on top of that, it's not just a composition, but it's the depth in the composition, how much world and world building you're seeing in every shot. Um, right down to sometimes you can see even like in the background, you might see engravings on a wall leading into a cavern. And the thoughtfulness that goes into each of the lettering of the engraving, what it means in terms of the lore. Um, Patrick, uh, one of the directors at Powerhouse, ended up creating an entire language. Uh, for Motu based on that. So I'm just a total geek fan like like you, like anyone watching this Um, in terms of the type of awe and complexity that um they bring to it and we want them to bring to it.
0: MOTU fans, you are not going to be disappointed by what Revolution offers. I uh, want to stress this is non-spoiler, non-spoiler as I ask some of these questions now <laughs> about a little more details of the show. I have to bring up the fact that the show opens first episode goes a little bit into the second episode with the theme of death. Yeah. And we don't have to get into specifics, but just what, how you wanted to approach that. Cause I think you approach it in, in such a very um, sophisticated way and a way that I think is going to be powerful to a lot of people.
1: Well, thank you. It was very important um, to me and to Kevin Smith, our showrunner and, and our, and our friend uh, partner over at uh, Netflix, Ted Bieselli, um to really hit that theme of death. Um, there's a line in it by, um, spoken by Randor, King Randor, who it's no spoiler. It's in our, it's in our trailer, I suppose, to say that he passes away in the first episode. And he's a line that we gave him where he says, you know, death comes for us all, even for kings, it comes. And there's a certain intrinsic inevitability that all life dies, um, that's written into the universe. And even, even for characters who, Profess to be the masters of the universe, even they too must bend a knee to the inevitability of, of death. But in facing death, it's really important to ask yourself questions and for us and for these characters and how you view life. Um, And what we wanted to do with this is to show that, you know, as every generation um, our parents pass on, we're left with a a choice um, with how we want to, um, Forge a new future. And for us, um, it was important to represent the idea that we should really honor our past. We should, we should, um, honor our legacy and the people who created the world for us, um, to inherit. And that was symbolized in, uh, Tila's journey in the episode and what she's trying to accomplish, um, what she's trying to bring back to the universe is, is symbolic represents honoring our legacy and the world that came, uh, before us. But at the same time, we have to decide how we want to force the future for ourselves, given our honoring the past and that, Forging our own new destiny is something that Adam is facing and all our characters are facing. And it's symbolized by the forging and the upgrades of certain power weapons that will remain anonymous for the sake of spoilers uh, and the new roles that characters take on over the course of the show.
0: And I would say that Adam and Tila's connection is one of the core elements of the foundation of this arc of the five episodes. It's very strong. There's a lot that happens, especially in the later episodes. Again, we're not going to get into too much details, but how did you want to approach that, focus on that, and make it satisfying as this epic arc for fans of the show?
1: You know, it's funny because their relationship isn't just an arc of the show. In my mind, it's an arc of the entire saga of Masters of the Universe starting from the beginning. Um, to me, the relationship between Adam and Tila is core. It's the beating heart of the entire. Um, storyline and, and franchise and for both of those characters this episode these episodes in particular are coming of age story mm-hmm. i'm getting back to our conversation around the idea of death and and legacy and forging new futures those these two characters um have both have um, parents who have raised a bar and they're kind of big shoes to fill um and both of them are trying to figure out who are they supposed to be? The champion, the king, the sorceress of Greyskull. What does that mean? And what, what kind of champions and sorceresses are they going to be? And I think, I think that's core. And they've known each, son, each other since they were kids. They've grown up together. And I think, um, where we, where we land and what we try to get at the season gets back to what Castle Greyskull in many ways represents for these characters. And in my mind, um, the power of Grayskull means different things to different characters. So for Skeletor, it means legitimacy. Um, and for a character like, uh, Adora and the She-Ra stories, I feel it means uh, redemption. And for Adam, for me, it's always meant, uh, family and love. And there's no better way of personifying that than to have Tila as a new sorceress of Castle Grayskull. Um, so now Castle Grayskull is, is essentially their home and they are a family as they were always meant to be. Yeah.
0: Rob David is here with me on the LCJ Q and a podcast. You can watch Masters of the Universe Revolution on Netflix right now after you're done listening to this episode of the LCJ <laughs> podcast. So a friend of mine and I co-host a podcast with him, a different podcast, Mike Sargent. We review movies. We are film critics in our other worlds. And he also directed a movie recently with Keith David, who you have on the show as Hordak. How was it working with Keith David? He's fantastic. That voice. Wow.
1: Keith is unbelievable right i have been i have been a fan of keith since platoon um (laughs) which he was he was in that movie and he was terrific in that movie he has got the greatest voice if you you put like the orson wells and the uh the leonard nimoy's of the world who just are were blessed with just amazing uh pipes and he he lent kordak gravitas and then and then on top of that as an actor and a person he really respected the material and respected the character and he really got into it um our brilliant uh, voice director colette sunderman uh working with with kevin and and me and teddy she really you know uh worked very closely with keith and in, in bringing out uh those aspects of, of Hordex personality and he really always asked questions like well what what is it motivating him? What's, what's, what is his relationship with Skeletor? What does he really feel about this? And he really got into the idea that Hordak is this cosmic vampire chess player who's behind the scenes, um, uh, working his, dark voodoo um to to gain the system and and take over the the universe and he he compared it to shakespeare in terms of the kind of complexity of stories of kings and rulers and revenge and passion and family so he just got so into it and then you combine that with his not his acting ability his intelligence with his voice and totally it just blew us away
0: nice i'm so glad he was so great
1: guy just a funny guy fun guy
0: I'm so glad he was so passionate about this. Passionate, I think, is a word I could also use to describe Kevin Smith when it comes to just about oh, yeah. everything he's a part of. How have you seen that firsthand?
1: Well, from the very beginning, I mean, I it was my idea to approach Kevin. Um, I was a fan of his comic books. Uh I know he's directed a movie or two in the past, which I always ribbon, but for me, I, I'm a huge comic book um fan. And I read his Daredevil comics, and I really loved that he loved Frank Miller's uh, run on Daredevil, but he also um, he found a way to still make it fresh and do new things, and that's what I was really looking for for Masters of Universe Revelation and for Evolution, which is just somebody who could sink their teeth into the genre, but still have some plenty of surprises in store, and from the first time we started uh, working together, first day at his house, uh, we were cracking a story that we would then go to pitch uh, to netflix he got super into it i'd given him a copy of our encyclopedia the the masters of the universe encyclopedia that we did with dark horse and i i gave it to him the first time we met and the second time i came over when we were cracking the initial story he had already had it just posted on so many different pages and ideas and he wanted to really talk them through and he just continued to to go back and reference it i mean he is he's a he's a geek like us and he already he knew the material he liked the material and th- and then he grew to love it and know it like anything else and he's the type of guy and this is totally legit people think oh he he acts like he's emotional online he's just wanted to, he he really is passionate many times either um when he's halfway through writing one of the scripts himself or if he just got in a first draft you know from one of our writers he'll call me up you know like tears in his eyes talking about how how moved he was by something or what we're trying to, what we're trying to do there. It's amazing. And in this season in particular, with the death of Randor, you know, Adam has a, a eulogy, um, that he wrote. And I remember when Kevin sent in the, the first draft, I called him up because my father had passed away during the production. And, and I remember that the eulogy that he wrote turned in the first draft really moved me. And he told me that, um, that his own father had passed away years ago and he, took some of the some of the, the the eulogy that he had written for his own father and reworked it in for for adam because he was trying to say the same thing he wanted adam he thought adam would be saying the same thing about his father that really touched him about his own father and that's the life. that's the the, the depth of passion and um authenticity that kevin brings um to this and he really does believe in it and it shows i think
0: yeah Wow, I can feel that as you're describing that. And I think it perfectly leads into my last question for you, which is the fact that the show is about heroes and heroics. And I guess, how would you say this show has been a hero to fans of this brand, to animation fans, and to you and
1: everyone who has worked on it? I think, you know, heroism to me is about tapping into some strength that you have inside and then using it to overcome tremendous obstacles in the service of of good um and helping others so for for me adam and i think everyone who grew up on this taps and adam embodies that i mean adam the story of prince adam is that you wouldn't look at him you he, judging by by just the side of him but deep inside adam is his strength his inner strength and strength of character. And if he can unlock it, and for me, the power sword has always been a metaphor for a key. He can unleash the strength and transform himself into his, the best version of himself to um, help his world. And the thing that makes Adam even more special is that at the end of every battle, he puts the power away. He doesn't hold on to it. Um, He calls upon the greatest strength in the entire universe to help others. And when he's done that, he puts it away and that is in contrast to skeletor who as we know will never ever ever give it up once he has it Uh, and that's what makes him a villain and a terrific villain but for adam it's about it's about the recognition that we each of us every single person in this world has something unique about us something special inside that is actually the source of our greatest power and if we can unlock it um, and recognize it and perhaps even master it we can not only transform ourselves but transform our entire universe for good
0: Ooh, masters of the universe revolution all five episodes are now streaming on netflix rob david the executive producer of the show thank you so much for being here today on the lcj q a podcast
1: thank you jackson i really enjoyed it i hope everybody enjoys masters of the universe revolution it was done as a labor of love and we hope you love it too
0: Oh, I think everyone will. Awesome. I'm Lights Camera Jackson for all these episodes. Go to Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Lights-Camera-Jackson.com. Read these Q&As at Animationscoop.com. Thank you for listening to the LCJ Q&A.